coming up on the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Alenko begins work on a transformative project in Indy that will have ripple effects throughout the area. Engage Indiana comes to the pocket city. A Hoosier chiropractor becomes a coffee entrepreneur. Solar power energizes a small Hoosier high school. A Pacers legend heads into retirement. A packed summer concert series is set for Indiana. And we talk about the week's top stories with our panel of insiders. Welcome to the Inside Indiana Business Television Podcast. I'm Andy Ober. Work has begun on Alanco's new global headquarters at the former GM stamping plant. We first hear from Alanco President and CEO Jeff Simmons talking to Inside Indiana Business host Gary Dick about the transformative project. Then reporter Mary Rachel Redmond takes a look at how the new headquarters will impact the near west side of Indianapolis. Okay, Jeff, we're really in kind of the heart of what will be your new headquarters, and I think it's interesting because obviously you have the beautiful shot of the downtown Indianapolis skyline, but this old structure here is going to kind of be used as as part of it, right? Yeah, 11 years ago, as we just heard today, this was closed. This was the GM manufacturing plant. This was the stamping plant, the line actually. And we're going to actually keep about a third of that at the end. And that'll actually be a multi-use facility. And the White River Park will be around it. It'll be glassed in. And that's a place where we'll, we'll hold scientific forums and conventions and bigger meetings and facility, you know, to, to, yeah. to use for multiple things. So absolutely. You talked in your remarks today about this not being a facility, but uh, really more of a part of a movement. Yeah. What did you mean by that? You know, there's two two kind of meanings to building, and this is not about the building, the noun, but building the verb. We we are building a lot of things here. We're building the next era of Elanco. We're building a post-COVID headquarters. It's going to have amenities and top research facilities and an incubator for new companies from High Alpha and others. It's it's building the West Side, as we said. It's it's connecting the valley to the circle of the city, changing the the, the whole skyline of this, and then we're building. This this epicenter for animals to allow innovators to come here and start companies to reach the world's animals. You talk about an epicenter and you hear phrases like the Silicon Valley of animal health and and a hub for innovation. Talk about that vision for what this will be on the campus and then beyond. You know, COVID showed the world how important animals are. We believe in Elanco making animals' lives better makes life better, from protein to pets, and we saw that, right? And so what we've seen is our industry, it's less mature than the pharmaceutical industry. So when you look at funding, when you look at models and partnering, we don't have that. So what Elanco has is the ability to reach over 100 countries, have access to animals in over 100 countries, 19 species of animals. But what we need is to incubate innovation, incubate ideas. And so the epicenter is the whole idea is to take and allow startups and capital to come here. And then it allows Indianapolis to actually launch companies in the area of animals to reach these these world's animals. Yeah, I know a big part of it, too, is this is an extension of downtown Indianapolis yeah. across the river for the first time, really, to the west side here. So the impact beyond the campus confines, if you will, is potentially substantial. This is an amazing side of the city. I've been living in Indiana for, you know, in Indianapolis for 30 years. And until we started looking at this site, first, you don't find 50 acres Mm -hmm. in downtown cities anywhere in the country much anymore. The ability to build this, and I say to this future workforce, 
This is a destination, not an obligation. We're going to make this a place. We all know you want community. Mm-hmm. Even at work, you want to collaborate. Some of our best friends are, you know, who we work with. Mm-hmm. So make this an opportunity to come here with amenities. We're going to have a state park in our front yard um, and the ability to have top laboratories, an incubator, a lot more open space. You know, the, today's office we think is a relic. This is not going to be about cubicles. This is going to be about collaborating community to drive competitive advantage Mm -hmm. for our company. And and I know you feel and others feel this would be a a talent attractor for a Lanco. But beyond that, you know, as people see this campus when they come into Indianapolis, the impact it can have on on talent attraction in the region. Absolutely. And, you know, a call out here to the governor and the mayor and, you know, Representative Carson and across the board. As I said today, I was proud to be a Hoosier watching this come together. There is a oneness in this city and this state. Um, There's an excitement with CICP and Agronovus around agriculture and animal agriculture, Corteva's headquarters. So there's the opportunity here with this to build a a campus and a destination that's going to add to the city, but it's going to add to the pull of talent and people to say, I believe this is going to be one of the cities noted in five years to say this is a destination in this post-COVID world, come and have an amazing lifestyle and living here in in Indianapolis. Very good. Well, Alanco's move to the near west side of Indianapolis will uh, no doubt breathe new life into an area that uh, has been really one of the most industrialized areas of the city for many decades. A once in a lifetime opportunity for growth and development. Mary Rachel Redmond hit the streets of the valley to get the pulse of the people who live there and their hopes for the future. For 80 years, the GM stamping plant stood on the west banks of the White River, the epicenter for jobs. In its heyday, close to 5,600 people, many using these steps, walked in here every day making a living cranking out auto parts for GM vehicles. But times in manufacturing changed. And by 2011, when the plant closed, only 650 people worked there. This is all the remains of the old GM stamping plant. Rusted remnants like this, literally pieces of a bygone era. But this project could reverse decades of decay. Businesses like Carnicería Guanajuato, a Mexican market and restaurant, that are hoping Alanco's new campus will pump new life into the area. I hope they, they can get more customers. It is it's really a good thing. We're going to bring not just uh, an office and a, and a campus, but we're going to bring families here. And whether it's uh, helping with things in the area, we've got big hunger causes, therapy dogs, but being able to be part of the West Side, from living here to being involved in the community to engaging with our citizens that are around here is, to me, it's exciting. Alanco's plan includes more than just a sparkling new building that will change the Indianapolis skyline. Also in the works, more trees, trails, and a brand new bridge connecting the west side to the zoo, White River State Park, and downtown Indy. I see 15 years from now that we we find this to be not only our neighborhood, but our community, and it's blended together. And we're just part of the landscape and the skyline of the west side the valley and the valley being known more uh, i think bringing back a lot of the history and the legacy of the valley to me there's amazing communities and people and the west side has a little bit of its own culture and i'm, I'm excited about that as well 
a new day for Alanco, for Indianapolis, and for the people living and working in the Valley. Brainstorming big business ideas in the Pocket City, we go inside our first Engage Indiana event in Evansville, where the name of the game is Jobs, Investment, and Talent Attraction. Mayor Lloyd Winicky joined us with more. Well, Mayor, certainly uh, air service is very critical to any emerging, growing uh, economy. I know there are challenges here with the loss of direct, uh, direct routes to both Chicago and Detroit. Yeah, it's been uh, really devastating for a lot of our corporate citizens who need to get vendors and customers into Evansville. So they're, consequently, they're having to fly through Charlotte, Atlanta, or Dallas, which are all great connections, but it does pose a challenge. Luckily, the state has been a really good partner in trying to get the airlines to get those flights restored sooner rather than later. So you, you're, are you confident that something can be done to get those? Yeah, the airlines like these flights, uh, these yeah. routes. Uh, they've told us that they don't want to. They're not walking away forever. They're walking away from now. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, American has added another daily flight to Dallas, which is good. So that's three a day. Uh, uh, Delta has. Uh, brought in is bringing in larger aircraft now on its Atlanta flight and we know our flight from Evansville to Chicago is among the strongest in America's uh, whole service area so we know we're a good hub but because of the pilot shortage and aircraft uh, shortage uh, it's an issue right now. A lot going on and a lot has been going on in downtown Evansville uh, the health center uh, among others driving people downtown bringing people downtown as you look uh, going forward uh, a lot of talk a lot of focus on maybe the riverfront being kind of that next frontier. Right. Would that be an accurate uh, description? It, it is accurate. We've cast a really bold vision for the future for Evansville's riverfront. In fact, it's called River Vision. Uh, and if you put a pencil to it, it's probably a 260 or $70 million plan. Uh -huh. But we realize it's going to have to be done in phases. Uh, everything from uh, really attractive mixed-use developments right on the riverfront uh, to workforce housing on the riverfront uh, to a, a different flow of traffic on, yeah. on Riverside Drive. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a bold ambitious plan, but we think if we don't cast the plan or the vision, we'll never get to a, a better situation on the riverfront. And part of the uh, the um, things uh, happening here in Evansville, certainly uh, quality of life, quality of place projects. Uh, the zoo is one. The new aquatic center, yeah. I know, has been a real driver. Yeah, as well. the Deaconess Aquatic Center is one. Of, I mean, both it and the Kenny family penguins of Patagonia exhibit opened at Mesker Park Zoo within weeks of each other just last October. But the Aquatic Center is so phenomenal. We've landed the NCAA Division II National Swimming and Diving Championships for 2025. Lily King told me when we walked uh, into the uh, competition pool on the day of the dedication, she looked around and she said, Mayor, there are a lot of D1 programs that don't have a facility yeah. like this. So we're really proud of that. Our goal is to be an attraction for our sports tourism effort, but also to help grow swimming among young people in the city. And I know so many of these projects uh, uh, connect to talent and the need to keep talent, but also attract talent here. Talent 2025, I know, is a big initiative. Yeah, here. Talent 2025 is a regional initiative that is really designed about growing population and making sure our workforce is ready for new technology in all industry sectors. Uh, it aligns perfectly with Ready which is why we were one of the recipients of a $50 million ready grant for our region. So uh, we're hyper-focused on all those efforts. Evansville Mayor Lloyd Winicky at the first of uh, several statewide Engage Indiana events that Inside Indiana Business and the IBJ are putting on around Indiana. So first, Southwest Indiana will also be in Fort Wayne, South Bend, and then Indianapolis later this year. It's all about the beans for a Hoosier chiropractor turned coffee entrepreneur. 
Life Boost Coffee is on the path to become one of the fastest-growing companies in the Midwest. CEO Charles Livingston spoke with Kylie Valletta in the business of health. Let's go back to the beginning, though. Tell us first how Life Boost got its start. Absolutely. Well, it literally just fell in my lap. At the time, I had a supplement company. Uh, this small farm in Nicaragua was taking my supplements, and they, they loved the supplements. They wanted to put in the coffee. I said, no, it's a terrible idea. The herbs are too bitter. But I love coffee, semi-year coffee. And it was honestly one of the best cups of coffee I ever had. I started doing research, and I found a gap in the market for healthy coffee. Um, as you know, coffee is the third most strength beverage in the world. Uh, you know, but that also means it's a cash crop, so it's heavily sprayed with pesticides. Being a chiro by trade, very, um, I care a lot about my health and the health of others. So that was the gap that I saw. And so your body accumulate, bioaccumulates toxins like that. And since I drink it every day, I didn't want that to happen. It's kind of like a death by a thousand, death by a thousand cuts, right? So it's not that just one cup of coffee that you have, it's, you know, drinking them over time. So I was like, it's time for a clean cup of coffee. All right, so a clean cup of coffee. I, I, I feel like that. it's this, this space where kind of um, coffee junkies and health nuts, it's kind of this convergence of those two things. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned um, some of the health uh, benefits that makes your coffee healthier. Uh, one thing we haven't touched on yet is that it's low acid. Um, explain mm -hmm. why that makes it a healthier cup of coffee. So one of the things um, that is, is people age, um, coffee since it's acidic by nature, starts to give people acid reflux or bloat them or hurts their stomach, they have digestive issues. So for us, it's really important. It actually happened by accident. Um, you know, I noticed that when I drank it, like I wouldn't have the stomach issues that normal coffee would give me. And then I would get tons like daily, just testimonials from other customers that would tell us that. So we started testing the pH and realized that our coffee is uh, a lower acid coffee compared to a lot of other brands. All right, and I know that you test for a lot of things uh, to make sure that, like you said, these are clean beans. Um, this uh, Inc. Magazine Award, they called you an economic all-star of the Midwest with your 9,000% revenue growth in just a two-year period. How did your company achieve that? Honestly, it come, came down to focus. Uh, entrepreneurial trap, you know, you run a bunch of multiple businesses. Me and my partner decided just to really focus on this. We focus on D2C only from our website. Uh, we didn't focus on retail. And at that time, we did not focus on Amazon either. Um, and we were only focusing on our signature roast. Uh, we also focus on customer first. That's, that, that's honestly our secret sauce is just putting customers first, just taking care of them. I always tell my, my team that we're a yes company, do whatever it takes to keep our customers happy. We want them to come back um, and they love our product. And that's, I think that's really the secret sauce behind it. And we mentioned how it's healthier uh, for the coffee drinker. I know another big focus of your company is um, making it healthier for the planet. Can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, for us, we, we separate the three categories. We call it people, environment, and wildlife. Uh, so we focus on farming sustainably. Uh, we're corporate sponsors of the Rainforest Trust. A, we are also building schools in the regions where the coffee farms are located, uh, and we donate thousands of bags to first responders. Those are kind of our, our, um, our passions. And I know I think every entrepreneur has stories of hard knocks along the way. I think you faced a really pivotal moment um, back in, I think it was 2018, where you said you almost threw in the towel. So uh, tell us sort of what happened and how you kept charging on. 
Yeah, so the, the small farm in Nicaragua that I mentioned that was taking my supplements that we were getting the coffee from, they actually got in a family fight, so they split. Uh, so operations went one way, coffee went the other, uh, and I had a, a, a moment to make a decision. Do we keep going or do we, do we stop? Um, luckily, we had so many customers that just kept begging for the coffee that it pushed us forward to keep going, and we... Um, we worked it out. We found some other suppliers. We created a, uh, a checklist called Trust Pure um, that allows us to go to you know any country and find the cleanest beans. All right. Well, we don't have time to talk about it, but I know you're selling online now. Expected to perhaps uh, expand into some retail yeah. soon. So congratulations on your growth and keep us posted. Remember, you can catch Inside Indiana Business Television on stations throughout the state every weekend. Head to InsideIndianaBusiness.com to check listings. Solar power is energizing a small Wabash Valley high school. The move is bringing benefits to the school district's bottom line and potential career opportunities for its students. MSK of Shackamack Superintendent Jeff Gambill joined us with more in our Ion Education segment. I know just over your shoulder there, we see the uh, solar array that, uh, are, are you uh, energizing it, getting it online? Is it this weekend? Yes, uh, tomorrow we're supposed to have a shutdown by Duke Energy. And during that, we'll be connecting with the power grid. And it'll take about a week or so for uh, Verigy to uh, tweak the system, so to speak. And we should be good to go in about a week. Talk about how this whole idea came about uh, to use solar to, uh, to, to really energize, if you will, the, the high school there and also uh, garner some cost savings? Well, uh, about a, two years ago is when we started kicking the idea around uh, to try to have some kind of cost savings for our school corporation. Uh, we needed something that would uh, bolster our operations funds. And, and so uh, we toyed around with the idea and decided to explore it. Uh, the former superintendent, Nick Carazia, and I worked together on that, and uh, we approached uh, Johnson Mello with the idea. Uh, we sold it to the community, uh, had a lot of information and transparency with them. Uh, Johnson Mello came and did presentations to the community, and uh, that's how we got it started. Well, was there any, any pushback or any, any, any concern at all in the community about, uh, about the solar array? Uh, no, I think uh, the community has embraced the idea as well as our school board, and uh, we see the savings and that they're guaranteed. And so uh, that's, a, that's a big selling factor. Uh, I know that in, uh, before, in the last 20 years, some schools have gone to solar arrays and there's been issues with funding. But as uh, we've gone forward, the process has gotten better and uh, the solar arrays and uh, solar fields are cheaper to install now. Uh, and I think people are realizing the savings. Well, let's talk about the savings because they are real. And as you say, they're guaranteed. Talk about these, uh, talk about these projected savings and where that money's gonna, gonna go or those savings are gonna go. Okay, uh, the first uh, year we're guaranteed over $70,000 in savings and each year that goes up incrementally. So that if we don't realize those savings, then Verigy will take care of that or, or um, compensate us for that. Um, but the savings go up every year. Uh, by the 12th year, we'll have over a, realize over a million dollars in guaranteed savings. And that will initially go toward our operations funds. Uh, 
if you're familiar with the way school funding works, there's usually two pools of money. Your education fund takes care of the school and your operations funds, which take which takes care of the paying the bills, uh, your buses, your custodians, and running the school. Yeah. And typically small school corporations like us, we don't have a whole lot of operations funds. And so you have to transfer money from your education fund over to that. Uh, $70,000 a year is 10% of our operations funds. So that's wow. 10% of that money that we don't have to transfer over. And that's savings that we'll realize in our education. Uh, that is substantial. Hey, we've only got about 20 seconds, Jeff, but there's a student component, an education component uh, to this whole uh, plan as well. Absolutely. Part of the agreement with Verigi is that they provide us with curriculum for solar energy and that's uh, vocational classes that we can add in. Uh, the students will actually have the solar field in our backyards that they can look at, work with. Uh, and there will be people here from Verigi who will maintain the field. And so it's, uh, it, it's something that we can add to our curriculum as uh, learning about green energy. Very good. Innovation at a school system in the Wabash Valley. Uh, Jeff Gamble is the superintendent uh, of schools uh, there in Shackamack. And uh, Jeff, thanks for joining us from Jasonville and good luck with the project. A Pacers Hall of Famer took to the court to send off another Pacers legend into retirement. Longtime media relations director David Benner shared a memorable moment with Reggie Miller. Benner spoke with his brother, Bill Benner, about that and his impressive career on Inside Indiana Sports. You've had a lot of notoriety associated with your, <laughs> with your, your final time, 28 years. How does it feel? A little bittersweet because you hope that maybe the last year you go out, you know, in the playoffs or in a playing game, but we had a variety of injuries and COVID-related things, and it just didn't work out. But that said, you know, the 28 years as a whole have been great. Uh, April 3rd, the next to last home game recently, um, they had a wonderful salute to you, punctuated by a surprise visit, very much a surprise visit, from none other than number 31, the Hall of Famer, Reggie Miller. That had to be incredibly special. It was, it was a total shock, you know, you're, they presented me with the jersey, uh, and so you're out there at center court and you're doing the wave and all that, and then I'll turn around to the crowd behind you and turn around all of a sudden there's Reggie and I went oh my god because uh, it was a, a total stunner to me I was going to text him and say I can't believe we went through a whole year without seeing each other <laughs> and then the next thing you know there he is and like I said I was just totally stunned well and you reenacted the ritual and for those that don't know uh, Reggie and, and David uh, during Reggie's incredible heyday and the Pacers Hicks versus Knicks and the Bulls and the trip to the NBA Finals, but you had a ritual uh, that preceded every game where you would uh, get animated with one another. It started off innocent, where he just wanted a sip of the drink and he had a good game and we won. And then that started that, and then one time he held me up. He didn't come and get the drink, so I cussed him out. <laughs> and he had a good game and we won. And so that started the whole wagging thing. But at least I had time to prepare for it. He would just come back and curse me out every time. Uh, you've done a tour, This in your final season, you've kind of done a tour of uh, various uh, NBA cities that have been a part of uh, your, your life for the yeah. last 28 years. Uh, and many of those stops, they pre presented you with something. And one of the special ones, David, yeah. and you have it here with you, uh, you got a piece of the parquet floor 
from Boston Garden. I mean, that that is special. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the tour started off, it was my wife's idea to do something on Twitter. And so I would try to find a guest at uh, each stop. And, you know, Damian Lillard uh, in Portland, who was great. Jonas Valanciunas uh, down in New Orleans, who was great. And I go to Boston, I'm toward the end of the season, not sure what to expect. And then Jeff Twist, my, one of my mentors and my counterpart in PR there, they take me back to the press room, you know, to have, for the pregame meal or whatever, and then they present me with this. We get on the plane to come back, and Rick Carlisle, our coach, says to me, he goes, you know, that's a big deal. And I go, yeah, I know that's a big deal. <laughs> that, that is a big deal. Uh, David, uh, just talk, uh, as, uh, talk about your most memorable moments. 28 years, and again, NBA Finals and a lot of great playoff moments. Uh, a, the, the best was winning the Eastern Conference Championship in New York City. I mean, that, that topped it. The, the fact that we disposed of the evil Knicks and then you're finally going to the NBA Finals after you know the two previous years being right. relatively close. That was that was the number one highlight. The number two highlight was going to the finals, even though we didn't win. But to experience that and to have a chance at winning a championship. But unfortunately, you know Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant had something to say about that. Um, I think you know a third one that, that's way back in the past. My first year here was the Michael Jordan return game. Right. Uh, and I told you know many people, it was like David Stern called you up and said, hey, you got 24 hours to put on an NBA Finals game. And that was in Market Square Arena. And that was, you know, the amount of credentials that we handed out that day. All you could do was promise a credential, but not a seat. It was, that was special. And we won the game, which was even better. Uh, quickly, as we wrap up, I know you're very, uh, very proud of your staff. You won twice. Uh, won, won two uh, PR <coughs> Staff of the Year awards. Uh, extremely proud of that, which meant that, you know, everybody chipped in, everybody did their job, and we were recognized for it. And it was much appreciated, and I just still got the trophies up in the office. Well, uh, David, I'm extremely proud of you, uh, both as a, a professional and sort, certainly as, as my brother. <laughs> and uh, we wish you all the best as you, as you move into retirement. So thanks for being on with us. Thanks, Bill. The approaching summer season and a cautious return to more in-person events means a packed slate of concerts is coming to central Indiana. Reporter Dave Lindquist with our partners at the IBJ joined us to break it all down. Dave, welcome. And I, I guess I mentioned it in the, the intro there, but uh, after two tough summers because of the pandemic, this promises to be a big year for concerts. I hate to say unprecedented, but uh, this is like nothing anyone has seen. Uh, surely one of the factors is the pandemic. Uh, if you're a musician who's ever had a hit record and you can scrape together a live show, you want to work this summer and there's work for you. Uh, another thing that uh, is interesting is that there are at least three venues in central Indiana that did not exist, more or less, uh, before 2020. Um, Holiday Park has a series called Rock the Ruins. It was started by the people who own the Vogue. They have 14 shows this summer wow. uh, down in Fountain Square. The Hi-Fi Annex has more than 20. And really, while the TCU Amphitheater in White River State Park is essentially the same footprint as the old lawn at White River State Park, uh, before it became a permanent seating and a, and a shed over the seats, they were doing about 20 shows a summer. Uh, yeah. This year, they're going to have more than 40. Wow. Wow. Interesting perspective. Uh, okay, Dave. Now, if you had to pick one or two uh, of these concerts to attend this summer, what, uh, which ones would they be? 
Well, I always like to see things that haven't been through. And uh, there's a great pairing of uh, two icons in music, I feel, uh, Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. They put out a record back in, uh, I don't know, 2007. They didn't come through central Indiana. They put out another record recently, and they are playing the TCU Amphitheater in June. It's a tough ticket, though. Interesting. Gotcha. Yeah, I bet it will be a tough ticket. Uh, Hey, one more uh, item, uh, Dave. The Indiana State Fair announced late in the week the theme for this year's fair, Indiana's Automotive Excellence. Yes. uh, You know, in years past, they've uh, selected something in the uh, agricultural realm. Uh, This year, they're going to lean on uh, Indiana's automotive history. I think you're going to see some classic car collections at the fairgrounds. They're going to bring some... uh, uh, cars you might recognize from pop culture. Uh, they haven't named exactly what they're going to have, but uh, you know, beyond the century plus at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the race, uh, there are companies that long predate yeah. you and me, Gary. But uh, names like uh, Studebaker and Duesenberg and Stutz were uh, big Indiana companies. Absolutely, it used to be Little Detroit here in Indianapolis. You're exactly yeah. right. Hey, Dave Linquist, as always, uh, great perspective uh, on some uh, some great stories that will be in the IBJ this weekend. Appreciate the time, and we'll see you soon. Thank you very much. And finally this week, our insiders take on Indiana's top business stories. This week's panel includes Indy Chamber Vice President Portia Bailey Bernard, Bose Public Affairs Group Principal Victor P. Smith, and Gregory and Appel Insurance Vice President Steve Appel. We begin with kind of the big story, I guess, of the week. And Victor, in uh, terms of uh, getting it out front to Europe, uh, Lanka was a client of yours, so you worked, you have that relationship. But I'll begin with you. Uh, $100 million corporate campus, a lot of uh, elements to this story. Related to Elanco, related to Indianapolis, mm-hmm. Indiana, put in perspective, in your view, how substantial, how big is this announcement? It's, it's, a, it's a major announcement, uh, Gary. Uh, you know, Jeff Simmons is really a visionary. Um, you know, at the groundbreaking, he talked about the building as not as a noun, but as a verb because he's building something. What they're building is not only the first post-COVID uh, headquarters destination for their employees, uh, but they're building a, a um, they're building a whole new momentum of, of innovation uh, for their for their clients and for their customers, for vets, for pet owners. Um, and I think this also is the the follow on is it's going to be drawing all kinds of new technologies and new companies and spinoffs, including the Biomedit that just spun off on mm-hmm. Monday, Aaron Schacht, yeah. who was formerly with Elanco. I think that's just indicative of, of a new center of gravity for the animal health world. Yeah, and, and Porsche, I know the Indy Chamber responded right initially to the, the, the RFP on the, the, this deal, so you've seen it up, up close and personal. As you look at the impact, big for Elanco, obviously, but how about for Indianapolis? How about for downtown Indianapolis, extending really across the White River? I mean, this is huge. As you all know, that the former GM stamping plant has remained vacant for 11 years mm-hmm. now. So the city, the state, the community, we've been waiting for something to happen. I mean, the investment that Elenco is going to make is just tremendous. They're bringing a thousand high paying jobs to our community. And with that, to the public infrastructure improvements that the city will be making and connecting downtown in Elenco via a bridge Henry, mm-hmm. by Henry Street that will serve not only pedestrians but vehicles as well. There's also going to be the expansion of White River State Park, which is all part of the White River Vision Plan. So this is tremendous for the city and tremendous for the state. Yeah. Steve, your take. 
uh, on this and uh, how substantial it can be lo longer term for Indianapolis and central Indiana. Well, when I think of like major cities, one of the besides how many pro sports teams do you have is how many corporate headquarters mm -hmm. do you have. And the, as Portia mentioned, the, uh, the corporate talent, the, what it has effect on real estate, uh, local schools. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just it's a very exciting. And Elanco is kind of a, a little bit under the radar now, I think, locally. But I, I project in the future it'll be kind of like Lilly and Salesforce. And Elanco will be more roll off the tongues of local people. Yeah. The last thing I'd say, too, is that you know, it brings the valley neighborhood um, mm -hmm. and ignites that whole sure. that whole west side of the, of the of the water. The other thing is, don't forget, there's 45 acres left on that campus that hasn't been yet developed. And yeah. I know that that's going to ignite a lot of interest in in drawing other companies, yeah. maybe other corporate headquarters there as well. How about this whole concept? And um, Jeff Simmons talked a little bit about it: the Silicon Valley of animal health and creating, you know, from Purdue down here and south. When you look at Corteva, Elanco, obviously, and the, you know the assets that are here now and creating something that can can be a recognized area is like Silicon Valley or Research Triangle Park here in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think that's true. And, and um, again, the first the first evidence of that we've seen is the Biomedits um, mm -hmm. spinoff. I know Scott Dorsey and his group are are scratching their heads and working together with with Agronovis and with some of the other folks, the leadership at Elanco to see how, what, what can we do to continue to draw, yeah. to draw that, that technology here, to, to, to claim this as the new epicenter of animal health in the world. Yeah. And if you think Purdue can also, with their other agricultural ties too, mm -hmm. it's just a lot of yeah. fits for Indiana. A lot of assets mm -hmm. in place. Uh, we held uh, Inside Indiana Business and the IBJ, our first Engage Indiana event outside of Central Indiana. This one this week in Evansville, crowd of 350 people, uh, business community leaders, big panel discussion, talking about big issues in the region, you know, how they are dealing with those, uh, the, with those issues. One issue is the loss of air service, and, and Porsche, I'd start off with you on this, but they've lost, Evansville has lost air service to Chicago and Detroit, two really important markets, especially for them with the companies they have down there. How important is that, and what can be done to, you know, to kind of, you know, get the service back working with, uh, you know, local entities? Yeah, I mean, we work closely with the Indianapolis International Airport, and I, I mean, COVID took a tremendous hit on the airline industry, and business travel was such a key component to, and what really is going to help travel get back is companies getting comfortable traveling again. So we're starting to see restrictions lift and, and employers allowing their employees to, to travel. I think that's going to really start getting us going in the right direction in terms of picking up air service again. Yeah, and, and connectivity is, is so important, as you know, not only for the business community, but, but for, the, for the city itself. I think, um, you know, if you remember just a few years back, um, the IEDC began to get in that space a little bit mm -hmm. when, it, when it attracted the nonstop San Francisco flights mm -hmm. to Indianapolis. I think the IDC um, tools, I have, I have faith in, the, in, in Brad and his leadership and in the governor that they're probably already having those conversations to see what it is that they can do in a post-COVID world when, when things come back, when the, mm -hmm. when the industry comes back, what we can do to make sure that that services is, is, is brought back. Another story this week, uh, the continued expansion of healthcare uh, really throughout Indiana, but here in central Indiana, IU Health announcing plans to really dramatically grow its footprint in Fishers at the, uh, the Saxony development, changing the name to IU uh, Health Fishers and increasing 
Um, the em employment there, 50%, uh, $287 million investment, so a lot of money. Of course, they're building essentially, what, one or two new hospitals in downtown Indianapolis as well. So, well, full disclosure, Gregory and Appel's office is literally in ground zero of their $1.6 <laughs> yeah, right, expansion right. right now. So it sort of looks almost like a war zone in a good yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, but the Fishers is growing so much that it makes sense that there's probably a need out there. And uh, I do just... I will chuckle though with 287 out there and 1.6 here is a lot of money in healthcare, isn't there? There is a lot of money. <laughs> yes, good for the construction uh, folks uh, as well. A uh, couple of uh, uh, moves of note, if you will, on the personnel side, uh, and that there's a new uh, leadership uh, leadership change, a new president at Indiana Black Expo, also a new head at TechPoint. Uh, Portia, I'll start with you. Alice Watson taking over at Black Expo. Talk about. First of all, the importance of that organization, uh, but also this leadership change. I mean, this is great. IBU serves the community, and they just do so much in terms of education and economic advancement. Tanya's done a great job in laying the groundwork and really building a strong foundation for IBE. But new leadership is exciting. With that comes new ideas and innovative changes. I have some of my greatest memories attending summer mm -hmm. celebration, and I feel like a lot of people don't realize, but... Every year, the summer celebration brings 100,000 visitors to Indianapolis, which generates roughly 11.6 million dollars in economic activity, yeah. which is just amazing. I'm also pumped because the free concert is actually coming back downtown this year, and the queen, the legend herself, Miss Patti LaBelle, is headlining this year. So you will see me there. But Congratulations to Alice Watson. I yeah. wish her nothing but the best yeah. in continuing the great work that IBE does. Yeah, and as you say, this is an important year. It for is. Black Expo, because folks are coming back yes. downtown, which yes. is great. Uh, also on the technology side, yeah, I'll throw it to you on this, Victor. Ting Goody, mm -hmm. been at Elevate Ventures, involved yeah. in the, the venture world here, certainly is the new CEO taking over for Mike Langelier, who's yeah. led the organization for a number of years. What a great call. I mean, I've known Ting for a decade. Mm -hmm. Um, had the great pleasure, privilege of working with her when she was at Elevate for so long. Um, we traveled internationally trying to chase companies together and as part of a delegation. So um, clearly capable. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect fit for mm -hmm. so many reasons. Um, so Godspeed to her. That's a, it's a great match. Yeah. Hey, one other uh, interesting, a mixed-use development uh, that was announced. Uh, and those happen all the time. This one, though, in Tipton County, uh, just off US 31. Uh, so some of these smaller communities uh, are, are really uh, connecting with mixed-use development, housing developments, housing such a big issue around uh, the state of Indiana. I think it's a good trend that you're seeing because of what one possibly positive of COVID is you can live anywhere potentially mm -hmm. and do your job. And so some people are looking to get out of the cities mm -hmm. and have a little more space. And that might be a new trend that Indiana yeah. could also capitalize on. Okay. We always like to try to end up on something sports or sports related. Sports books continue to do very well. Obviously, March Madness, uh, a big chunk of that. But uh, 400 and almost $500 million in wagering at the sports books. It's hard. as a 50% year over year growth, yeah. which... Uh, uh, with it being available on your phone, it's kind of dangerous for yeah. many out there. But yeah. uh, it, 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 the demand it, was clearly there. Is it really there. available on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> Victor, I'll give you the last word. What do you think of the sports books? I mean, it, it, Indiana was one of the leaders, too, one of the That's first right. states well, to... That's right. Well, you know, it, it, it brings an industry that was kind of a black market industry into the light. So yeah. from a, con a consumer protection standpoint, I think there's probably some positive things that go along with that. And let's not look beyond the state revenue additions. I mean, that's, yeah. it provides the state with so many different additional resources. Right. to do good, I hope. 
Very good. Victor mm -hmm. Smith, Portia Bailey Bernard, Steve Appel, thank you one and all for being on The Insiders. Thank you. That wraps up this week's Inside Indiana Business television podcast. Remember, you can find all of this week's TV segments as well as the top business news from throughout the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to our platform of free e-newsletters. This is Andy Ober for Inside Indiana Business.